I am very picky about candles. I keep them burning around my house all the time. So many home fragrances smell very unnatural, super sweet, chemically, and just smell like the part of the mall you cannot wait to escape. And after learning that the candle industry contributes to an insurmountable amount of non-recyclable waste, carbon emissions, and toxicity in our air, I am even more picky. That's why I am so glad that Notes Candles exist. They're on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth friendly option without giving up high quality fragrance that actually seems amazing. The candle industry has major problems. Almost 2 million candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years. Yes, that's right. 1 million. Absolutely insane. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again, again, and again so you don't become a part of the problem. It is so easy to use, guys. The candles are made up with fragrance wax beads so all you have to do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar fill it up with the wax beads enjoy your fragrance up to 36 hours and then just do it all over again when you're ready for a new one you don't have to settle for less than exciting fragrances with notes either in fact their collection of 13 amazing fragrances are handcrafted by fragrance experts at their home base in south carolina and they are to die for y'all i have one burning recently and i have been loving burning the santel and atlas cedar scent it's woodsy, calming, smells just like some of the bougiest fragrances on the market. I love it. They have so many other ones like oat milk and balls and berry, vanilla and pepperwood, and so many. I love them all. So be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandles.com slash healthy. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code HEALTHY. Just use code HEALTHY when placing an order. That's code HEALTHY at notescandle.com slash healthy. So podcasts have really popped off in the last couple of years, and I feel like a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, Janine, how do I start a podcast? And I'm here to help you out today. So if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, because I absolutely love podcasting. I think it is so fun and I think everybody should do it. So if you guys are interested in starting one, Spotify has a platform that lets you make one super, super easily. And even on the platform as well, they will distribute it everywhere for you. And then you can even earn money, which is so cool. It's all in one place and it's completely for free. It is called Spotify for podcasters. And here's how it works. So Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts literally right from your phone or your computer. It's super, super easy. So no matter what y'all setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. So don't feel like you have to have it all together to start when you can start today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else that podcasts are heard. Also, what is so great is if you do want to have a video feature, video podcasts are available on Spotify and I have that on mine and I think it's just so fun and engaging for my audience to be able to see me on Spotify as well. So with Spotify for podcasters, you can even earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. So definitely check that out. And here is the best of all point of this. It is completely free with no catch. So ever since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just feel like it has been so engaging. I feel like I'm loving the options that po- that Spotify is giving me with Q&As and polls and even having video. So I highly recommend you guys give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or you can go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. You guys are going to love this. If you've been wanting to start it, this is your sign. What is up? Happy and healthy. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Janine Amopola. If this is your first time listening to Happy and Healthy, I post these episodes every single Tuesday. And the whole goal of this podcast is to help you be more happy and healthy mentally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. So I talk about a lot of topics regarding that. And I'm super stoked for today's episode because this is all about nutrition and health 
and just kind of fitness. And I think this plays so much into just your happiness in general, like how you look and how you feel and how you feel good in your body, what you're eating, what you're consuming. Um, I think nutrition has a lot to do with mental health and just overall mood. And so I'm really excited for today's episode because I'm bringing on my old nutritionist, Lisa Axelrad. When I lived in LA, I worked with her actually, and we worked through some tough stuff. At the time when I met her, I was really, really, really struggling with my body. I was overwhelmed, overworked, just constantly tired, binge eating all the time, um, just constantly beating myself down for what I was eating, what I was doing, never feeling good enough, always bloated. I mean, it was just an absolute disaster to the point where I was like, I need help. Like, I know that I need help. And so contacted this nutritionist. And honestly, I thought when I started working with her, I thought that it was going to be her being like, okay, do this workout and then count these calories. And then you're going to get toned and lean like this. But she really helped me get down to the root, to the source, to the nitty gritty of this is why you're doing what you're doing. This is, you know, the reason why you're feeling this way and just more of a holistic, healthier approach. And I just cannot speak more highly of her. So we basically went on my happy and healthy Instagram page and we just asked you guys a ton of questions as far as, you know, what do you guys want to hear regarding nutrition and fitness? Now we do more talk about the nutrition aspect first because I really do think this matters. And this is more of her lane is the nutrition aspect but maybe I can do a different podcast on the road doing more of the fitness stuff with a fitness coach or a trainer or something of that sort because I really am someone that is so, so passionate about fitness and health because I love to work out. I love to eat healthy. I love to feel good. I love just to have glowing skin and good energy and all that stuff because I think it really, really matters. So Lisa is someone that has really helped me with that, and I really believe that this conversation is going to help you guys as well. And so we ask you guys on the Happy and Healthy podcast, what are some things you want to ask her? So we're basically just going to be going through those questions today. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um, I really think it's going to be beneficial, and let's just get right into it. All right, you guys, welcome back to Happy and Healthy. I am back here with my nutritionist. This is Lisa Axelrad. Welcome, Lisa. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast again today. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. I'm so happy to have you back on just because for those that don't know, um, in season one, she was on the podcast. You kind of helped me break down a little bit of just like diet culture and just kind of like all the myths that we see on Instagram constantly that might be really detrimental to people's health and just their overall mindset. And so if you guys want to go check that one out, definitely go check that out. Um, but Lisa, why don't you kind of go ahead and tell them who you are, why you're passionate about this, and I'll kind of explain from my end uh, why I love working with you so much. Well, thank you so much for that. So my name is Lisa Axelrad. I've been doing this now almost 15 years. I live in California in Los Angeles where we met, but I'm actually from Chicago, which I studied nutrition and fitness in college, became a personal trainer and nutritionist right after getting certified. I worked at Equinox. I worked at private studios. I worked at physical therapy clinics, and it sort of evolved into now my own business where I really get down into helping people have a healthier relationship with food. When I was younger, it was definitely like, yeah, you want to lose 15 pounds. Let's do it. I'll get you there. And now I realize that's just not sustainable. And I want to help people have a much better relationship with food so that they can lose the weight and get to a com comfortable place, but also make sure it's super sustainable and, and really tackle some of the bad habits that we all have. But yeah, Lisa's awesome. When I lived in California, probably right when I moved out there around 2018, um, I was just looking up some like nutritionists because I was really struggling with my body at that time and contacted you and you definitely definitely helped me get a better mindset and just overall just to get more on, on track and just to see where I was like really having an unhealthy viewpoint of food in my body and fitness and all that stuff so I love working with you um but yeah for today's episode what we did is on the happy and healthy Instagram we just asked you guys a ton of questions as to what do you guys want to ask a nutritionist and we wrote them down. We're going we're gonna to kind of go through the list of just what are some common questions people have. And we're going to ask, ask the expert, 
ask the expert, excuse me, and we're going to ask the expert here today. So Lisa, are you ready to get into it? I am. Let's do this. Okay. So the first question people keep asking is like how to handle like ice creams, bad cravings in the evening. I know that this is something that I struggled with a ton. Like I would constantly text you being like, I need candy. So what are your recommendations for someone that's struggling with this? Sure. So really quick, even before we get into that, I want to explain even how I'm going to give you the answer to every question. Every nutritionist and every dietitian is going to come from a different place. So with my background, I do a lot of work with inflammation, stomach aches, headaches, bad skin, um, really surface things, bad moods. We're going to get into all of that. And through all the research I've done, I've found this incredible concept called the blue zones, which are the five countries around the world, um, five cities that where people live the longest. They're the most disease-free. They're the healthiest weight, and they're just living their good life. And so everything that all the advice I'm going to give you today is going to be based on what do these cultures do? What are some things that are helpful to them? And that's going to be really where it comes from. A couple other things to remember is, you know, again, every nutritionist and dietitian reads different research. The doctors that I follow, uh, you know, come from research clinical backgrounds. Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, Dr. Neil Bernard, they've written books on how to fight food addiction, how to fight cravings, reverse disease. So keeping all that in mind, I just, and we'll talk about some myths and stuff about nutrition. That was a couple questions as well. But just to keep in mind, you know, I don't want anyone to think I am the one and only answer to everything, but here are some tips for that. So to start with, the food cravings and sugar habits. Yes, we definitely talked about that a lot. And you can attest to some things that I'll mention that helped. And one is really planning ahead and having snacks throughout the day. Because if you get to a point where you're so hungry, I think a lot of girls try to just eat less throughout the day. And then they come home from work Mm -hmm. and they get really hungry. And what happens is there's a hunger hormone that starts to trigger And that hunger hormone will skew what we actually need, and it'll give more the cravings. So if you haven't eaten enough throughout the day, you're going to want more sweets, and you're going to want more sugar. And that's probably because we just didn't have enough calories throughout the day. So the first thing would be to make sure that you're eating consistently throughout the day. Second would be to, you know, plan ahead, make sure you're having snacks. And that I know was also really helpful to you to carry snacks around and even increasing fruit consumption as a snack because fruit has natural sugars, but it also has fiber, which makes us, which makes us full. So that's super helpful as well. And then I would say the last thing for specifically for this would be to allow yourself to enjoy uh, enjoy some sweets, but there's a lot that don't have processed sugar. Like I remember we used to do the chia seed pudding. There's some avocado pudding. Yes. There's dessert smooth- smoothies. So there's a lot of desserts that are sweet, but without all of that white processed sugar in it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Th- those were all the tips that she helped me out with. And then also you always just told me like, Hey, have you been drinking enough water today? Because, and I would like go back and do like go look at my food log and stuff. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I didn't drink water today. Or yeah, I actually didn't have a snack. And no wonder why I'm like at the end of the night, just absolutely like binging. And it's just, it was not good. So completely agree with those tips as well. Yeah. Okay. The next question. And I think this was probably the number one question that everyone was asking, and I know I still sometimes deal with this, but I'm able to now identify my triggers for this. It's bloating, how to reduce bloating. Now, I feel like this could probably be (laughs) an entire episode, series, whatever, because there's, I'm sure there's so many different things that play into this, but overall, what are your tips for bloating? Okay. So I love this question. I would say if I have a few specialties and bloating is definitely one of them. I've been helping people de-bloat for years. Um, There's First, I want to talk about how we've been seeing a lot more lately, a lot of people on Instagram saying that bloating is normal. And I want to talk about that for one second because 
I have a different point of view on that. And that's going to help segue into what we do about it. So first of all, no, bloating actually isn't normal. It's just common. Mm. So what happens is that people don't know the difference between bloating and just being full. And so when we eat food, food goes to our stomach. The stomach is the house of digestion. We don't eat food and then it goes to our elbows. It doesn't sit in our ankles. It sits in our stomach. So there happens to be no other word for stomach expansion after a meal. And so what a lot of, sometimes what happens is people eat and they go, oh, I'm so bloated right now. And I have to ask, well, are you bloated or are you just full? Did you just overeat? So a couple Mm. ways to distinguish is if you have pain, if you're in any sort of discomfort, if it's hard to suck in your stomach, if your stomach feels distended for hours after a meal, then that's bloat. But if you kind of just feel full, uh, maybe overly full, then you may have just eaten a big meal. You may have eaten a lot of fiber. Um, or you may have just eaten too much, which is often the case. So for one, I think people need to start to distinguish, are you just full or are you actually bloated? So then the second thing would be, okay, so if you are bloated, the questions that came in were interesting because they said, what foods can I eat for bloating? And the problem is that I'm not going to tell you that you can go and eat all of this inflammatory food and then the next day eat blueberries and the bloating is going to go away. It's actually more what you have to remove from your diet. And I think that's really hard for people to hear. People don't want to hear, well, yeah, stop eating ice cream at night and then you won't be bloated so much. Or maybe you're eating too much cheese. People don't want to hear that. They want to be able to eat all that food and then have a de-bloating meal afterwards. And so really what it comes down to is cutting out a lot of the foods that make us inflamed in the stomach. And so that would be overly processed foods, processed sugar, processed snacks, too much dairy. Um, Sometimes actually chicken is a really big trigger for people because it's such a high sodium content. Um, Deli meat as well. So I would take a look into if you're eating a lot of those foods, take a look at that. Um, Increasing your water is always really important getting moving a little bit more for sedentary than the food sort of stays in our stomach. Um, and also stress. It, you know, I always say that stress is invisible, but it manifests in physical ways. And so mm. if you're feeling really stressed out, your way of your body may react with stomach aches and with bloating. So that in that sense, you would definitely have to look into some more lifestyle changes, your sleep, what's stressing you out and kind of get to the bottom of all that. Yeah, those tips are awesome. And I also loved again, when it came to the food log, that helped me personally identify, okay, that's what's causing the bloating. And so that would just be probably a tip for the listeners as well that you had me do is you're like, okay, you know, take the food log and every time you get bloated after a meal, you know, make note of that because then you can start pinpointing, okay, that's what made me bloat. Like for me, for example, I found out that whey protein and anything with whey causes me to bloat like insane. So I had to cut that out. Same thing with dairy, I had to cut that out. Yeah. And I, that really, really was helpful. So I think perhaps the listeners as well, you could do the food log process and then start identifying, okay, that made me bloat. And that actually made me feel really good. And that was the most like helpful tip that you helped me do, which I loved. Yeah, I love the food log. And as I mentioned on in the last podcast that you and I did together, I talked a lot about how I just don't love calorie counting because I don't want you to do yeah. that for the rest of your life. But if you pay attention to the actual foods you're eating, then it was a no brainer, right? Like now, you know, like, okay, I shouldn't be eating that. That doesn't make me feel good. As opposed to being like, dairy has this many calories and I'm trying to cut it out. It's a different mindset. 100% completely agree with that. Okay. Moving on to the next question, uh, hormone balancing foods. So it does seem like in our culture, uh, especially with just all the hormones that are being pumped in our food anyway, it seems like a lot of people's hormones are really jacked up. 
and it's it seems like it's kind of getting worse and worse. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so a couple thoughts. Um, well, first of all, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I sort of said that bloating is a specialty of mine, which it is. Hormones isn't. I do know a good amount about it, but there are definitely dietitians and nutritionists who know even more than me. So I want to put that out there first. Um, and I'll let you know a little bit of what I can help because I have had clients that I have helped with their hormone control. Um, so the first thing is that hormone is kind of like the, a buzzword right now. So a lot of people want to think it's their hormones, but it really just might be a bad diet. So they might just be eating really unhealthy and they think their hormones are out of whack when really if they were to just clean up their act a little bit, they would feel better. Um, you know, it you, you don't really know until you do all of those things. So that's sort of the first thing is don't jump to conclusions yet. Clean up your diet, drink more water, get moving, try to de-stress a little bit. And then kind of if you've been doing everything and it's still not, you know, if your period is irregular, if you're having terrible breakouts, if your mood is really disrupting your life, then you can start to work with someone and see if you need, because if it is hormones, you need to work with a professional and, and people need to take it seriously. Um, the second thing is it's sort of like the same rules apply for bloating. You can't expect to, because one of the, a couple people put in foods for bloating and then also foods for hormones. And it's the same thing. You can't eat, like you said, all of these foods that are pumped with hormones and then eat like a hormone free meal and expect your hormones to all of a sudden just regulate. It doesn't work like that. It takes weeks and years for the body to fall out of balance. And it could take weeks and years for the body to get back into balance. So in terms of if it really is hormones, I do think that you need to start doing your research because hormone imbalances are very serious. Um, it can cause infertility. It can cause chronic mood disorders. It can lead to insomnia. So it's really, if you really think that's what the situation is, I would really recommend seeking out a professional for that. Um, let's see. I also kind of, oh, what I wrote here is basically like a good metaphor that I use with my clients is if you have a cut on your arm and every day you're just, you know, scraping at your arm, that cut isn't going to heal. A lot of the issues that we have in our digestive system are similar. Some of the foods that we eat cause flare-ups every single day. So at a certain point, you have to remove those foods from your digestive system in order for you to heal. And again, it's one of those things that sometimes people just don't want to hear that they have to give up these foods, but it it really depends on how serious the issue is. So if you really are struggling with hormones, I really, really would recommend doing your research. There's a lot of books that talk about it. Taking Charge of Your Fertility is a wonderful book for women that isn't just about fertility, but it's about our menstruation cycles. It's about food. It's about our mood and how food affects it. So I think that's, you know, it's just really start taking control of your own body and not waiting for someone to tell you what to do. Mm, that's good. And I guess it, going further into the hormonal question, you know, there, there's those hormonal balance pills. And I think I've talked to you about them as well. Did, are those things that you recommend or are you more just like, hey, deal, that, deal with that with a professional and clean up your diet? I always recommend to work on lifestyle first before you start ingesting pills. Hmm. Um, okay. I really think that people need to look at what they're consuming, what they're ingesting, and also what they're putting on their skin. You know, our skin absorbs everything. And there's a lot of yucky stuff in products right now. And that's its own, you know, I, I don't know much about that, at, you know, really in general. But um, I do always, always, always say, change your lifestyle first, then then look into taking a pill because people kind of just always want to jump to what's easiest. They're like, Oh, right. well, here, here's a pill. I could just take that, but also keep doing all these unhealthy things in my life and just hope that the pill starts to clear it all up. That's just not how yeah. it works. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's just like that quick fix patch. And you're like, ah, oh, no, we got to get to this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hi guys, I want to interrupt today's episode to talk about our sponsor. This is the first sponsor of Happy and Healthy, and it is Upward, which is the number one Christian dating app. It is open to all denominations. It is perfect for that under 35 Christian dater. It is also apparently TikTok famous, which 
they were kind of kidding about, but also it actually kind of is. So definitely check out their TikTok as well. But if you are single, if you haven't met your person yet, if you're looking for godly men or women in your city, then definitely check out Upward. Um, I do find that a lot of times, you know, with other dating apps, you don't really know, like, are they Christian? Are they not? This is an app that is solely for Christians. And so it is awesome. So definitely check this app out. You can download Upward today and start finding your match. And why it's so great again is that it's open to any denomination, whether you're Christian, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, whatever it is, you can find your match on here. So download Upward today. And thank you so much to Upward for sponsoring today's episode. So moving on to question four. I know we kind of touched upon this, but um, in the last episode, but Biggest myths slash lies about nutrition and food. Okay. So, um, there's a ton. (laughs) Yeah. So, where do we begin? (laughs) I think that there's probably a lot, but I kind of felt like some of the basics are, you know, that bloat is normal. I don't like that. I think it's just common. Um, and I already talked about that. Um, I think that healthy food doesn't taste good. That kills me because I love healthy food and so do all my clients. And, I always say, you know, if you just start eating it and trying different things and stepping out of your comfort zone, you will shock yourself. Like the people that have all these sugar cravings, if they think that a donut is the only way to satisfy that craving, they have no idea how good an acai bowl can be and how satisfying that is. So Mm. I think that healthy food doesn't satisfy cravings. That's a big myth. Um, that you know carbs are bad that kills me every time that people think you shouldn't eat carbohydrates that one's like the worst (laughs) I thought that too when I saw you when I met with you I was like trying to cut out carbs and you were like no (laughs) eat your dang carbs yeah and that we could go and maybe even another time we should do a whole podcast on just the science of nutrition a little because that's its own beast really but um carbs are not bad they are an entire food group and they range from all different foods so as long as you're eating whole grains and foods grown from the earth you know you'll be just fine um i think that that there's one answer for everyone i think for the most part people you know human beings do well on the same food but because we live all over the world and we have all these issues now and food disorders are sort of rampant you know it it isn't a one-size-fits-all And I said that a lot on the last podcast, you know, you kind of just have to find the right fit for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And also that every nutritionist or dietitian or personal trainer is going to have the right answer for you. So the way I relate to it is that doctors all go to med school, but then they all have different specialties. So if you have a stomach problem, you're not going to go to a knee surgeon for it. So you can come to me for bloating and other inflammation issues, but I'm going to refer you to a hormone specialist because I have my specialty. And I think it's important for people to really narrow in on what they're trying to achieve and find a dietitian that has the best track record and the best history with that. And, um, and, and just to really... Uh, be more particular with who you engage with for help in your lifestyle because just because someone lost 15 pounds doesn't mean they're the right person to go to. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, because again, with the whole social media stuff, we're we're looking at everyone online being like, how do they do it? How do they do it? But again, like what works for her, what works for him may not work for you. It Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is not one size fits all. And once I finally realized that, I was like, oh, I don't have to do what that girl's doing. And so I'm so glad I finally learned that because <laughs> your bo- it's so subjective and your body is it operates completely different than someone else's. So I'm really glad that you helped me figure that out. Yeah. Okay. The next thing is uh, nutrition advice to lessen anxiety slash like how does food uh, affect your mood? Yeah. So what's really interesting here is that the same rules are going to apply for pretty much every issue. Processed foods, processed sugar, too much dairy, these are foods that inflame us. So the way I explain it to all my clients is that we're all kind of created with a hundred switches, okay? And if we do something, if we're eating a certain way, a light switch might get triggered. But a different light switch is going to trigger for a different person. So one person might eat badly and they get stomach aches. Another person might eat badly and they get acne. 
But really what ends up clearing all of these switches and turning them back off is just eating healthy. So when it comes to bloat, when it comes to hormones, when it comes to mood and anxiety, it's really going to be the same thing across the board. Really get better about decreasing sugar, finding sugar-free options, um, really cutting back on your processed snacks and processed foods, really cutting back on your dairy, um, introducing tons of whole foods and whole grains. But, you know, with the anxiety and the mood, this one is a specialty to me because I was always depressed and anxious growing up. And I just thought that was me. And then I realized that I also had stomach aches and I had all these other things. And then as soon as I started researching and clearing up my own diet, it was shocking how much the brain just clears up and, and it doesn't have the fogginess anymore if you just eat better. So it ends wow. up just really being inflammation in the brain. Um, some people definitely have chemical imbalances and they'll need medication and medication is life-saving, really important. But there are some people that really will have just mild cases of anxiety and depression that can easily clear up if they clear up their diet. And this is another one of those, like, I'm a big supporter of people who need medication. But again, let's try to clear up your lifestyle first, clean up your act. And then if you're still not feeling better, talk therapy, better sleep. De learn how to de-stress, um, get the body moving a little bit and look into maybe a professional for some medication. That's good. Yeah. Again, I love that your first answer is like, Hey, let's just kind of get to the source. Let's figure out, you know, with the diet and the sleep and therapy and all that stuff, what is the possible answer to that before you just go and get medicated? But I love your approach to that as well. Okay. The next one, and I know that a lot of people deal with this, is dealing with food guilt. Because you, you know, you're like, okay, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. I'm, you're just so restricting. You're restricting. And then you're like, I can't do it anymore, which is what I used to do all the time. I can't do this anymore. You run to the freezer. You get your bucket of ice cream, and you're just scarfing it down. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And it's like it's so bad. It's like this weird toxic cycle with food. So what is your recommendation on how to deal with food guilt? Yeah. So usually food guilt is triggered because what they've set up for themselves isn't working. So yeah. food guilt typically comes because you have a goal, you're not meeting it, and it's stressing you out. And so then if you end up going out and you eat something that is, quote unquote, off your plan or off your program, you feel very guilty about it. Food guilt really stems from needing a better plan. Also, reframing your idea of food and getting to the deeper root of why you're feeling this way about food in the first place. A lot of times, not a lot of times, I would say every single time I work with a client, we have to talk about how food was when you were a kid. That is usually where a lot of it stems from. If you were overweight, wow. if you weren't overweight, if you were the skinny one in your friends, the, you know, the bigger one of your friend group, if your parent restricted food, didn't restrict food, if sugar was only for special occasions and it wasn't kept in the house, if a big one in my family is if your siblings are always eating at your food and you never got it, you know, this is, it's little stuff as a kid, but it really does trigger us as adults and we carry it. We really carry it into wow. adulthood. And, and I think women also have a very hard time with the fact that our bodies change between the ages of 16 and 25. We're not going to be the same size that we were as a freshman in high school. It's very rare, very rare to see that in someone. So I think that the, when it comes to food guilt, it's really digging deeper into why you feel this way about food? What was your relationship to food growing up? What is it? What is the goal you're trying to achieve? And let's find a plan that allows you to eat freely without that guilt. Because if you have a wedding or a party or a birthday or a vacation coming up in six months and you're like, okay, I'm going to lose 15 pounds by this event. Well, that can set you up for being really strict with yourself. And so then you go out, it's the first week of your program, you're doing great. 
And then you sit down and then there's a bread basket and you're like, oh, I told myself I wasn't going to eat bread anymore. I'm not eating bread anymore. And then you have some bread and then that triggers the guilt immediately. And then you feel like a failure. So it's okay to eat the bread basket. It's okay to allow yourself to eat fluidly. It's really about what I always say to clients. It's not about what you do some of the time. It's about what you do most of the time. So focus on the majority of your meals. Allow yourself to eat some of this delicious food once in a while and um, really dig deeper. And if you're feeling food guilt, then you have to recalibrate what you're working on and what your mindset is. Mm That is so good. And again, it's like, you don't even think about the fact that this is like going back to your childhood. Like no one thinks about food with it being associated to your childhood. Like at least I completely forgot about that until you just said that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. That's why I do what I do. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think just having the balance is so important because yeah, then you... And also, again, when you're just like, I can't have the bread and you get the bread basket in front of you and you end up eating the entire bread basket because you've been restricting for so long that, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, bread. And then you just end up going to town on this one bread basket. So, yeah, it's so great to talk about the balance within fitness and health, I feel like. Yeah, you know, the when I bring up childhood stuff with clients, it's incredible what people realize. Like I have here in wow. LA, I have a lot of clients that came from different areas. Um, I had one client whose parents, she was first generation um, from Iran, they were Persian. And she said the dessert was such a special thing that then when she came to to the US, it was everywhere. So she felt like she always had to have dessert anytime it was in front of her. And that over years created this sugar addiction, but she never thought to trace it back to why she felt like that in the first place. Or even, you know, um, people that grew up with leftovers or not leftovers. I've had many clients that have said, I can't eat leftovers. I grew up, my mom ate you know, she cooked for us a fresh meal every single day. I can't do leftovers. Well, that's going to make it very difficult for them to meal prep or do anything or think, you know, they're going to think very negatively about a lot of food unless it's very fresh and home cooked, right? So a lot of people don't realize that some of this stuff really plays a game with how they view food as an adult. That's crazy. Yeah, that makes me be like, huh, like, what did I bring from my childhood into food? <laughs> well, you have a so lot crazy. of siblings. So I know even my sister yeah. has said, you and you and our brother used to always eat my food. And now I feel like, you know, as an adult, we always need to eat food because a lot of these kids, you know, it was just like a free for all. And I would, I would take my sister's food all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, moving on to the next one. What are just like the pros and cons of cutting out gluten and dairy? Because I know this is just, I think this has become like a really big, topic within the last couple years just with documentaries coming out and more influencers cutting this out and I know for me personally I cut out majority of dairy since working with you and it has made a world of a difference but again I do think there has to be the balance like I'm not saying I don't eat ice cream every now and then or have a little bit of cheese on my you know my Buddha bowl or anything like that but for the most part I don't have dairy and it's helped me so yeah what are your thoughts on all that yeah so exactly um dairy I believe Honestly, it should be eaten exactly as you're describing it. I personally never need to eat dairy because I was, I just don't have a craving for it. But for people who really love dairy, it's very easy to cut out because there's so many alternatives these days. And the alternatives that they've come out with are incredible. So for one, it's not like you're going without it. Um, two, it's always going to be there. Food is not disappearing. So if you really need it, you can go out and have cheese pizza with your friends one night, but you definitely don't have to buy it and eat it every single day. Your body will thank you. Um, with gluten, you know, gluten is kind of the scapegoat these days. And I always like to say, well, is it the gluten or is it all the other food you're eating? Like the cheese every day. So sometimes people eat, you know, like for example, pizza. And then after the pizza, they eat an apple like a few hours later. And then they say their stomach hurts. And for some reason, it's always the bread that was the problem. They'll be like, I can't eat fruit because my stomach hurt, even though they just ate a fruit, you know, a piece of fruit after a huge pizza, which is probably still digesting. But they're thinking the fruit is the problem as opposed to right. pizza. Or they refuse to acknowledge that it's probably the cheese, right? 
So um, <laughs> I don't know why, you know, gluten definitely, you're going to read books that say that gluten is inflammatory. And this goes back to what I said in the beginning. Every nutritionist, every dietitian is going to have a different take. I believe I really resonate with the research done for the blue zones, the people that live the longest, that are the most disease-free, that are at the healthiest weight, and they eat carbohydrates, they eat grains, they eat sourdough, which is fermented. Um, So because I've seen that research and the proof is in the pudding, quote unquote, I don't think that gluten is bad for everyone, but I do think that it's probably one of those light switches that go off in some people. For some people, that might be a trigger for them. There's also a difference between gluten intolerance and gluten sensitivity. So Mm. some people might just be a little sensitive to it and some people might really not be able to eat it at all. Um, So I think that when it comes to gluten specifically, same rules apply. Clean up your entire diet and see, is it really the gluten? Um, For dairy, I just don't think we're meant, we're like the only animal we're the only species that takes milk from another animal so I just I don't believe in dairy I just don't think it's right um so that that's you know that's my two cents in it but I think that when people look at gluten it can it can be complicated because also carbs are essential it's the brain's first form of energy and so when you when you really scapegoat carbs and gluten like that, it can be very, very dangerous. So I think you really just have to do your research, clean up your act first and see, is it really the gluten that's the problem? Mm, that's a good point. And I also feel like gluten has gotten this like weird stigma around it. But also, I don't know, I feel like everyone's like adding like gluten free on things that shouldn't have gluten in it to begin with. So it's become this marketing scheme just to make people think, okay, just because I cut out gluten means I'm more healthy or that I'm going to lose weight faster or that this meal is okay to eat just because it's gluten-free or dairy-free when it's like, that didn't have gluten in there to begin with. So it's kind of gotten weird how it's become more of like a marketing scheme in some sense, which is kind of weird. You you really hit it on the head where people kind of like to focus on one thing and think it's going to be the magic pill. They think, okay, I'm going to cut out gluten. I'm going to lose all this weight or I'm going to be ha- healthy again. But again, it's you have to look at your diet and your lifestyle overall. And then yeah. you know, you can't just think that one thing is going to change your life. Good point. Okay, moving on to, we're going to try to bust through these. Moving on to pros and cons of going vegan. Again, this is something I think that really took off, I would say three, four years ago, at least for me, like when I moved to LA, everyone was like, I'm vegan, I'm vegan. And I was like, okay, what is this all about? And I, you know, watched some documentaries that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going vegan. And I literally lasted a week. It was very hard. (laughs) So yeah, what are your thoughts on that as well? So, um, Basically, vegan is very different from plant-based, and both of those, again, are kind of buzzwords. And, uh, you know, I kind of go back to vegan means you abstain from all animal products. You don't buy leather goods. Um, You're a moral vegan. Plant-based means you stick to mostly animal-free foods. So um, less eggs, not much meat, probably very rare dairy, maybe a little fish, but not much. So those are two different things. Again, I think people try it because they think it's going to be the quick fix. So you really have to do your research. If it's if you really want to go vegan, the pros of it is that it's great for the environment. It's great for animals. And you're going to lower your cholesterol. You're, you're going to maybe eat healthier foods. But vegan can be junk food as well. Um, plant-based, on the other hand, again, it's good for the environment. It's good for the animals. You're going to see huge changes in your blood markers when you go to the doctor in a positive way. The cons of it is that it can be restricting. So if you have a history of disordered eating, it doesn't mean you were diagnosed with an eating disorder, but it means that you have a little bit of a struggle with staying consistent with food and you have emotional ties to it, then it can be restricting and it could lead to binge eating. Um, the blue zones, like I re- referenced before, they're mostly plant-based. They really limit their meat intake. They have it once in a while. They have some fish. They have some egg. But their focus are, is on fruits and vegetables, legumes, and whole grains. And I love that mindset. And I think it's super healthy. It's lower in inflammation. Um, you just have to make sure you're doing it right so that you don't overcompensate, you don't binge eat, and you don't feel restricted. Mm. 
That's good. So yeah, really quickly then, for those that do potentially want to do vegan or maybe be vegan or cut out more meat, what would be the best meat for them to eat then instead? Right. So locally sourced, um, you know, I think you always, if you have access to a farmer's market, that's good. If you go to the grocery store, you can always talk to the guys behind the counter and ask them, Are, I want the meat that doesn't have added hormones to it. Um, is there any of this that's locally sourced? Um, I always say that fish is better than meat. I That's just my personal opinion. Again, everyone's going to have a different opinion. Um, I And you want to definitely stay away from processed meats, um, sausage, hot dogs, deli meats. Those are just no bueno. Lots of chemicals in them, super inflammatory, high in cholesterol, high in saturated fat. They're not fun. Again, if you're going to 4th of July barbecue or Labor Day weekend, you know, this is, and that's something you love. There's always a time and a place to eat things that you love. Don't let, don't feel like it has to be all or nothing, but overall it is good to just steer clear of that stuff on a daily basis. Okay. Awesome. All right. This is going to be the last question actually. So I know that a lot of people want to know about this. At least, you know, when I came to you, I was wondering about calorie counting and, you know, I mean, I see tons of influencers, calories in versus calories out, being a caloric deficit, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on that? Because I do know that numbers and being on the scale and constantly counting can be very detrimental for some people. For me, it was like the hardest thing to do, couldn't keep up with it, hated it, like just was not for me. Um, but what are your thoughts on that overall? So overall, honestly, I- I'm not a fan. I don't like it. And I don't want people counting numbers for the rest of their life. And I don't like the idea of associating food with numbers. I think food should be associated with how we feel. Um, And that's a way better gauge of how to choose your food and how to choose your meal. With that said, there are some people that really need structure. If some people really need it, and that's the only way that they can feel good then that's for them. Overall, I think majority of people don't need it. I think they just haven't learned yet how to understand food differently. Um, I think it's just, it's the wrong focus. And, um, you know, you just want to, I think at some point you just want to be able to eat a certain way and never have to think about it again for the rest of your life. You learn about food, you understand it, you know what food makes you feel good, what food doesn't, what to keep in your fridge, what not to. And then you're done with it. And then you just eat that way the rest of your life. And with calorie counting, it's most likely going to be a lot of ups and downs. You stop, you start again, you stop, you start again. And, um, you know, I think that there's just better ways to learn about food. And do you think, though, because there are some people that recommend, okay, just calorie count for a month so you can know, you know, how much at least you're consuming or what you're normally consuming or what is in the foods that you're normally eating And then once you know that, then you can stop and then you can kind of be like, all right, I know, I now roughly know that, you know, my breakfast is 300 calories, my lunch is 400, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think it's good at least for a month or so? I don't because I still don't think that you're understanding what food makes you full. And as you go through different phases in life, like if you have a 300 calorie breakfast, that might be great for one day. But what if you worked out that morning? How much should your calories right. be that day? Or if you slept less that morning, do you know? Do you have a gauge for what makes you full? What makes you feel content? People need to be comfortable with feeling full and feeling hungry. I think people are so scared of those feelings that they just want a number to tell them how to feel. But that's not how it works. You're going to feel different. Some days you'll be hungrier. Some days you'll be less hungry. If you rely on calorie counting, you're going to get very confused. Well, I can only have a 300 calorie breakfast today. Even though I'm really hungry, I'm just not going to do it. I'll I'll eat more at lunch. Mm, That's a very good point. Yeah, I definitely know the numbers can be quite detrimental, especially just stepping on the scale every day. It ruins your day as opposed to just feeling like, my, you know, my jeans feeling a little tight isn't as nerve wracking as seeing a, a number on the scale. For some reason, it really messes with us. I just don't think numbers are the way to handle food. Yeah. And I just like, and loved your approach with me of helping me more be like, Hey, how do you feel? And more learning your body, listening to your body, understanding your body versus punishing it stepping on a scale all the time, only being restricted to, you know, a number, because even what, I I can't remember if you said this or not, but I think you might've said this in the last podcast, just because you're in a caloric number that you're fitting doesn't mean you're healthy either, because you could be eating a bag of chips 
and you know a soda and you're like well that fits in my calories today but you're starving you didn't even like give your body the nutrients that you need and so that's why i love that you taught me that it's like no this is about how you feel what you're actually feeding your body because your body needs certain nutrients to survive and to thrive during the day. Exactly. And every calorie is different. They're not going to sit the same. They're not going to feel the same. They're not going to energize you the same. I love it. Lisa, thank you so much. I feel like I'm like refreshed again. (laughs) I'm like, I relearned about nutrition. I'm like, yeah, ready to go. And I know that my listeners are going to really enjoy this. Um, Yeah, why don't you go ahead and just kind of let them know where they can find you and can they DM you questions and all that stuff? Yes, absolutely. So you can find me on my Instagram at LAFitNut, which stands for Lisa Axelrad Fitness and Nutrition. Um, You can message me. I'm always talking with people near and far. I love it. I love engaging. I'm always available to you guys. I'm still taking clients um, for a little bit of time, but I'm pretty full, but always reach out just in case I have an opening. And maybe we'll do this again soon. I know there weren't too many questions this time on fitness. We focused on more nutrition, but maybe next time we can do some of the fitness questions. I love it. Yeah, maybe I'll do a podcast next about fitness because I know there's a lot of questions regarding that, which that's, again, a whole other can exactly. of Exactly. <laughs> whole other can of runs. But thank you so much. I will have um, Lisa's information all down below in the description of the YouTube as well as the description on the podcast. Make sure you guys check her out. Thank you so much for your time. And I really hope this helps someone else be more happy and healthy. All right. Bye guys. Bye. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Lisa. I hope you guys enjoyed this and found this beneficial. Um, I know for me, you know, just there is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of things on social media that are causing people to feel stressed out or like they don't like their body or like they're, they're like, okay, what do I do to, you know, get in shape or to feel better, to lose weight? There's just so much information that it can get quite confusing and overwhelming. And you're like, what am I doing? So if you feel like you need help, if you feel confused, or if you feel like I don't really know, you know, what I'm doing anymore, I really highly, why do I always have a burp? Like always, I'm sorry. It's always like near the end of the episode too. I'm very confused. But if you feel like you're really just struggling and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like I was a couple years ago, highly recommend get a nutritionist, get a dietitian, get somebody to help you. That's going to really help you keep you accountable, get down to the source, the root, and really identify what is happening in your body. Because again, there is so much information on the, on the internet and influencers and all this stuff that it just gets so overwhelming and so confusing. And that's where I was struggling. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like I hate my body. I'm not happy. I'm trying all these different things. I was trying this diet and this diet and this workout and all this. And it was just so much that my body was like, what are you doing? Like, like freaking out, like stop Janine. So I really recommend you guys get help if you think you need that, because I really think that'll be beneficial for y'all. But overall, I really hope this episode helped you guys out. Um, and I, again, like I believe, I just believe that this all goes into being more happy and healthy, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, all of that. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Love y'all so, so, so much. And stay tuned for more episodes coming every single Tuesday. If you guys are loving this podcast, leave me a review. It helps me out a ton. And I will see you guys next Tuesday. Until then, stay happy and healthy. Bye, guys. Peace out. Peace out.